Yo, this your boy Uncle Day, that Chicago favorite uncle. Welcome you to another episode of Better Than Leftovers Podcast, a BTLO production, where we talk about everything from sports, fashion, music, and everything in between. So grab that plate, grab that drink, and get ready for this verbal delight that's coming your way. Better Than Leftovers. Yo, yo, this your boy, Uncle Dad, Chicago favorite uncle in the building with another episode of Better Than Leftovers podcast, a BTLO production. And today, I got uh, two of my favorite guys in the world with me. I'm going to start with, on my left, my brother, my brother from the same mother, big bro. You know, every now and again, he had to show up, show his face and say what's up. Then on my other side over here, I got my brother from another mother. Now this dude here, we we done we done been through the trenches together a couple of times. We did some interviews. Mm-hmm. We talked sports. Yep. Uh, Two thirds of the Players Club right here. Mm-hmm. Uh, my boy. Yep. J Money. What's up? AKA Jared, like the jewelry, not the subway guy. Yeah, I disavow. Like <laughs> <laughs> he, he made he made that quite clear when I first met him. He was like, "Yeah, it's Jared." Like the jewelry store, not the subway guy. We had to make had to make that clear. I had to establish that. <laughs> Say, uh, yeah, no, no thinking that I was doing nothing to the kids I wasn't supposed to. No, that's not a hint of that. <laughs> so, man, welcome, fellas. Appreciate y'all taking y'all time out to, out today to come join me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for having me. It, it's good to reunite with uh, with old friends, old partners. I know, right? And, and new partners as well. Oh man, I would have said the same thing, though, but I've been stuck with them since I didn't want to be stuck with them. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't my choice. <laughs> oh, I tell you, I tell you, I tell you. It's like when you got a job and they hire a new supervisor, and don't nobody like the supervisor. But they're still the supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to deal with it. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Because uh, upper management said that I was staying when they gave me the job and brought me home from the hospital. They was like, "You ain't got no choice but to stick with him because he's staying. He helps for good." So. I tried quitting. I tried running away. Tried signing the new contracts. I tried breaking the lease. I tried all of it. Didn't work. No. Ah, stuck with it. There's a lot of paperwork you got to go through. You know, it's really hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get it notarized, all that stuff. Otherwise, I'd be gone. Your fault. Your fault. This is but, gonna be. We got like family feud going. This is great. I love it. That's <laughs> stuck, all right. stuck in the middle. <laughs> but, but it's definitely dope to, to reunite with, with my brother from another mother. Man. Yeah. It's been entirely too long. Way too long. Way, way too long, and hopefully we make this more of like a regular occurrence. It, it, it'd be nice, you know, because I, I've worked with a lot of people. Chemistry is kind of off the charts with you. I mean, oh, yeah. I, it, it works all the time, especially when we start breaking stuff down. It, it just we just bounce back and forth. It's great. Yeah, through the dough. We gotta, we gotta say thanks to Sean for putting that together because mm-hmm. he kind of gave me the push to introduce me to Jerry. He was like, "Man, I need you to meet this guy and work with this guy." I'm like, "Man, who, who the hell is Jerry?" And then when I met him, the first thing that popped into my head was his voice don't match his body. <laughs> my first thought was, "Hey, it's tenacious D. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that a lot. I get there's it's like a rotation of people, mind you. Like the other day, I pulled up to a drive-through. I was grabbing a quick lunch, and someone goes, huh, "Hey, did you know you look like Seth Rogen?" Like, uh, yeah, I, pre- <laughs> I appreciate that. I've heard that before. <laughs> so it's just sad that you look like weed smoke. <laughs> uh, disavow. <laughs> so yeah, we gonna we gonna jump right into it, fellas. Mm-hmm. Uh, we gonna start out with some sports. 
you know, because that's what me and Jerry kind of started our relationship with. Absolutely. Sports and me and my brother, we've been arguing about sports since I could talk. So we still ain't learning. It's all right. It's all right. You know, things happen. We're going to kick it off with the with the draft, the NFL draft. Oh, yes. Just recently passed. I'll say something first. He is not a Bears fan. This is a, a full disclaimer. No, the views expressed by Big Bro are Big Bro's views. So don't come counseling my brother, please. <laughs> I appreciate I it. I want all this money. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. So if y'all want to know, I will give his email address. Y'all get in my inbox. I will give y'all his email address. All socials, everything. All that. And you can email this guy directly. Now, I know him. So if you email him on Monday, you'll get a response two Mondays later. Because he ain't on time for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so I know him. But he will get back to you. <laughs> he but yeah, the, the NFL draft just passed. Uh, our Chicago mm-hmm. Bears started with the number one overall pick, and they made, which I think all of us saw, the the move of uh, moving down in the draft. I think all of us mm-hmm. knew that was going to happen because it's a quarterback heavy draft at the top, mm-hmm. and the Bears hopefully got their quarterback. So they moved down to the number nine pick yep. in a trade with the Carolina Panthers where they got Carolina's first round pick from this year. First round pick next year, and the icing on the cake was DJ Moore, the number one receiver, solid number one receiver, the first one that the Bears have had in my thirty plus years of being on this earth. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had uh, Bernard Berrien, but right, Marty Booker, (laughs) Musain Muhammad, but Brandon Marshall for a short period, right? Brandon, even Brandon Marshall, Mm -hmm. but we ain't never had a legit. Number one, I mean, he was he lined up as the number one. He was, yeah, he was the number he one was guy. The number one guy. That's because somebody throws the ball does not make him a quarterback, bro. I mean, but he lined up as number. That's that's the point that I'm making. The the ineptitude of okay. receivers <clears throat> that the Bears are. Because if I hadn't blew out my knee, I could have ran a go route and they would have put me out there as number one receiver. I just wanted to clear. And that. my, we ain't gonna talk about my forty. It would have been in the double digits, and they still would have been like Uncle Day. They get out there and play number one receiver. Yeah, you know? but you can get separation. I've seen it. Oh yeah, you know it. <laughs> you, know it. <laughs> you already know it. So what? What the the Bears did surprise a few people, and they moved down on draft day from mm-hmm. nine to ten. Yep. In a trade with the Eagles. Yes. And mm-hmm. the Bears ended up with Darnell Wright, uh, right tackle from the University of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And this dude, uh, 6'6, 313. 330. 330. I'm sorry. He's a mountain of a human. With a 5'0 40. Yes. Uh, he, this guy. Okay. So there, there was a lot of, there was a lot of good offensive linemen at the top of the draft that, the Bears had, uh, you know, first pick at whoever they really wanted to get it. They really wanted to. Paris Johnson goes out the board first, which a lot of people fell in love with. But I will admit, I'm actually happy the Bears did not take him. He's a finesse tackle. He doesn't deal with bull rush very well. I mean, you can go back. I I, I fondly remember him getting bullied by um uh by Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan when he was still there. It. Now that I believe that was Paris Johnson's first year starting when he went up against him the year that Hutchinson got drafted, uh, number two I think it was number two overall. Yeah, two, yep. <clears throat> he was he he had a hard time with him, but then again you're going against a guy who was a contender for a rookie of the year. The guy was an otherworldly talent. Uh, but mind you, with all the measurables that Paris had and being in a very pass heavy offense, 
and being a former teammate of Justin Fields as well, you'd kind of think like, oh, just all the stars would align right there. But when you look at what Darnell did at Tennessee and his style of play and the leaps he really made, he's only he he's now just hitting his stride because when Darnell was playing his junior year, his first year starting, it was rough. It wasn't very good. And then they shifted him over the right tackle, and then just everything kind of fell into place for him. Uh, Darnell was a guy that I wasn't paying a, a ton of attention to. I was really, I was really taking, I, I was really focusing on Paris Johnson and Broderick Jones from Georgia, right? Because Broderick had a lot of athletic upside, and he was a good run blocker. There's a lot of different things you can do. If you, you just got to kind of hone his pass protection ability, which is something that NFL coaches they they get a hold of you, they'll figure it out. Yeah, but the Bears needed somebody that was pass protection ready. Pass protection ready and and run heavy because that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna they're gonna steamroll. They're gonna continue that running offense that the they RBO, did. Yeah. Yep, they, and they really should. They should lean into it because I still think Justin Fields needs another year of 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 basing, so to speak, to to get right. And I think when you play that run heavy offense that they did, I mean, they led the league in rush attempts last year. And you get a guy like this. I think that was kind of by default because uh, half to. of those attempts was Justin running for his life. Yes, yes. So. <laughs> but a guy like Darnell is perfect for it. He's a big body. He's getting better dealing with pass pro. When I was like watching tape on some of these guys that I was trying to pin down who I liked, I really wasn't looking at Darnell much. But I w- when I was watching Will Anderson tape and that game against Tennessee came up, Darnell handed him. That's what yeah. that's the surprise. I was like, who's this guy? So I dug into it, and I mean, he neutralized him. Yep. He neutralized the number three overall pick in the draft, and made it look like light and easy work. So what what stood out with Will Anderson to me was when he was in high school, he could not practice on Thursdays so that the offense could run successful plays. Right. And then to see him go into dominating the way he did in college. It was like, okay, yeah, he's definitely great. And I honestly wanted the Bears to pick him with the first pick mm-hmm. because the Bears had 20 sacks last season. Worse in the league. Worse, yeah. I could get 20 sacks if you line me up. And, like, I'm half of their size. So <laughs> <laughs> I could have got 20 sacks. He's got great bend around the edge. Hey, man. Look, as long as <laughs> now get the hands on him. White says I'm fair. Who in that secondary it makes the offense have to hold the ball long enough to get a sack. So to say, oh, they only had 20 sacks, it's like, yeah, because there's always somebody wide open in the first three seconds. Like, how many teams do a five-step drop or a seven-step drop against the Bears? They do a two-and-a-half-step, hurry up and sling it out because there's somebody already wide open. Yeah. So you can't falter the defensive line. Well, not having sex when the quarterback is not holding the ball. Okay, so I watched just about every every Bears game last season. That's tragic. And it was. Yeah. But <laughs> it's a long um, year. from what I saw, a lot of quarterbacks felt comfortable in the pocket because there was no no pressure. No <laughs> pressure from the front four. No pressure and, anywhere. In your secondary, you could have Airy, John Lynch, Troy Palomalu. And if they got a cover for 10 seconds, nobody can cover that long. You know that. You play. So nobody can cover for that long. And when you got a quarterback that can just stand in the pocket and go through progression after progression after progression and then go back to the first one and still 
not a single pressure, not a hurry, and quarterbacks coming back clean with a, the equipment manager. Like, I don't even have to wash your jersey. I can just pop it and hang it back up in your locker. How many check down passes did teams throw against the Bears? Like, you can't just put that on the defensive line, man. Okay, so they didn't have to throw check down passes because the Bears also had one of the worst run defenses in the league because their front four was terrible. Yep. Their entire team. Bad. Oh yeah, the team was Stop bad. Putting it on the front floor. But we we talking about run defense is the front seven, first of all, not the front four. Yeah, they had terrible linebackers and terrible defensive front. They had they had <laughs> they're horrible. It so, was good. Jack Sanborn. Let's go. Every team had to do is just make the tight end the primary receiver, and you ain't never got to go past your second option. So how you gonna get sacks like that? You don't get sacks like that. I don't care who you got to show the front floor. You can have the best four defensive lineman ever in the history of the game. But you have to have – you have to have some talent there, though. I mean, it, it seemed like they were fielding, like, an XFL roster out there. Yeah. Like, it was bad. It was it, it was it was deplorable defense. Like, you, you like the reason why they were the worst team in the league, they couldn't do anything to anybody. Like, that's why I'm, I'm really happy with the draft pick that they had because, I mean, Justin was – he was doing everything. Everything, everything for him. And and it was it's only so long that him and being Iron Man like that is gonna hold up before you look up and we got another version of Cam Newton on our hands. You can't score thirty points every game. But you just was saying that they need to keep the same offense though. No, they need to get better on both sides of the ball. The bear the Bears needed the Bears, the Bears actually the Bear the 18. Bears needed the Bears needed eleven starters on um, ten starters on defense mm-hmm. and nine starters on offense. That's how bad the team was, but we knew going like, into I don't it. Blame the coach, but that—that's we knew going into it. The Bears picked the lane. You're limited by your talent, though, right? Because like, how much can how much can Eberflus scheme up when your defensive talent is a bad and b not what he needs for his team? Because like a pivotal piece of his defense is that is that three technique, which they addressed in the but second that's round. The problem, though. If you know that your scheme doesn't fit your team. How do you be an NFL coach and you can't? So they had no talent. They had no talent. <laughs> this, is, this is what I'm, this is what we saying. The, bear, the Bears picked the lane, and they said, "Okay, we gonna go in here. We gonna tear this down to the studs, and we are gonna start over with Justin Fields. He's the only one that's safe. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is in the, is, is dispensable. They're they playing for their Queen. So they got rid of like Roquan. That, that that's not that's not the same team as that's not it's not the same thing as building a bad team. They're purposely. Yeah, they was tanking. They were tanking. They were tanking. Yeah, it was a well-organized tank. It was, and it 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 works. And we got, we got. How much of that was? They just picked players they knew were gonna suck, so that they. That that was the point. That was probably a heavy portion of it. A lot of one-year contracts in football. You know Mm -hmm. that more than likely your team is gonna be terrible. They did try to make a move to bolster the defensive line earlier in the year when they tried to sign Larry Ogunjobi in the offseason, but he passed. He didn't. He he failed physical. physical, Right. right. He didn't pass physical. Which that had he been signed, and I know that in football you don't want to say that one player makes all that difference because there's eleven working and using, but that was the three tech that that Eberflus needed to make his defense go. Instead, he's relegated to Justin Jones, who you know he's he's decent, but he's like a rotational defensive lineman. He's not a guy like you know like he had in. Indianapolis with DeForest Buckner, right. who is like the table setter for the whole entire defense, because that's like that's that's the hinge point of the defense. That's where it's really important for him, and he needs that guy. Ogunjobi would have been obviously a tier below, say Buckner, but you know, definitely leagues above Justin Jones. Right. 
right? So you, you you have what you have, and he can only do so much with it. And I think this whole season, I mean, we we kind of gave him a pass because we knew what was happening. We knew the we knew the rebuild was coming. We knew that it was well organized. It was meant to happen, and it was meant to get in the best position to rebuild this team faster. And this is this is a Ryan Poles brainchild. The way that they they constructed this, and I think that's why everybody's really latched on to Ryan Poles as is. Because the moves he's making, they're so it seems so well calculated, so well thought out. It feels like everything he's doing is right. Now we won't know till down the road when you know the results come to fruition and the cream rises to the top. But it looks like right now it's just a lot of cream that's about to just come up. Like it's just there's there's a lot boiling right now. The pressure cooker is going, and it just seems like the bears are trending in the right direction. I've never felt this optimistic about a Bears franchise and their future projections in a long time. Even like when they have those one-off years, like when they went to the, the when right. that, well, when they went to the playoffs, like recently back in 2018, oh, yeah. with, with, with I'm like, Nagy. Yeah. Nagy, yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, we can build on something. Like, this is great. But then next year, the wheels just fall. That was a fluke. Fluke. Huge yeah. fluke. Clearly a fluke. Cause had they won that game against Philly, do you think they win the next game? I don't think so. I don't. I really don't think so. That's think that's that where all sports confidence matters, right? Yeah. So I think if they win that game against Philly, they probably don't lose again. I don't know. When you have the, the football, the football guys the looked giants, out. You got the little giants. <laughs> the little giants start getting a little confidence. They come back and they win those. Yeah. Matt Nagy goes in halftime. He's like, all right, we're going to run the annexation of Puerto Rico. It's right. going to work. We're going to go to the Super Bowl, baby. <laughs> That one time? Yeah, one time. <laughs> it's like, why Why is his hand sticking to his chest? What's going on? It's like, oh, it's like I can't catch. <laughs> no, like right now, though, like the way the Bears are trending, I really do think it's going upward. And this draft, I thought, solidified it because they addressed a bunch of needs, first and foremost. They didn't sell out for best available. They, 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 they stuck to their guns and took who they desperately needed. Right. And that was really signified by, in my opinion, what who they picked in the second round when they picked Jerron uh, Dexter. Yep, Jerron Dexter. That dude is exactly who Matt Eberflus wants as his three tech. This guy projects like crazy. 6'6", 315 pounds, strong, mm-hmm. fast. A lot of people were complaining that his scouting report says like, he's slow to get off the ball, so on and so forth, but people don't know is in Florida, they hired a brand new coaching staff. Billy Napier came in and revamped everything. And they were fluctuating through talent. And he played like 80% of Florida's snaps. You play 80% of the snaps, you're going to be tired. Your get off is not going to be fast all the time. You got to have some rotational pieces in there. And that's that's going to lead to, I think, misleading lack of production and misleading like physical stuff that you'll see. So I, I was I was happy. And I know a lot of Chicago fans wasn't. A lot of Bears fans wasn't. I was happy that they stayed away from Jalen Carter. Mm-hmm. And you had a lot of yeah. Bears fans that was like, ah, they, they should have drafted him. He was the best. So, look, my issue with the young man is not the drag racing car accident. No. Lying to the police because as a, a 21-year-old black man, we drag, we, we race, we race down Stony Island, we raced on Lakeshore Drive, we raced on the Dan Ryan. Any opportunity we got to drive our cars as fast as we could with no traffic out, we did it. Everyone does. 
Nobody told the police the truth if we could get away with it. Nobody. So we're not going to act like that, you know, that type of stuff don't happen with with kids. And he's was making millions on NIL money. Mm-hmm. So he's not a regular 21-year-old. No. No. Then you get to where, where my real issue with him set in was he showed up to the pro date out of shape. Way out of shape. Then when he got questioned about it, he said, I didn't know I was out of shape. So now it's like, dude, is this really what you want to do? Is football really what you want to play? Are you going to dedicate yourself? And I understand he was nervous about going to jail and worried about the whole the arrest warrant and everything that was going on. Cool. We get that. But when stress really hit, if you lose three or four games in a row, your production is down. The media start calling you out here in Chicago. Are you going to fold under pressure and not keep working hard? Mm-hmm. Because Chicago will chew you up in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're making bread that the normal common folk ain't. And I've seen Bears tickets, $300 for standing room. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pay that type of money to see a 21, 22-year-old making $18 million not doing his job. Mm-hmm. Yo, this Uncle Day Day, Chicago's favorite uncle with Better Than Leftovers podcast. Grab your plate and let's go. It's an unrelenting market here. You don't come to Chicago and get off easy no. on 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 stuff like that. Like exactly, he he's, he. <laughs> that's, that's a story for another day, though. <laughs> <laughs> we need a soundboard. We gotta get this going, <laughs> dude. Uh, like you know, lying about the situation. Like uh, I'm talking. Like all this chalks up to just him being a young kid. It's an immaturity thing, right? He needs to grow up. But that also means, are you willing to do the work that you need to do to get your stuff right? And I think in order for Jalen to have a a better future in the pro game, he needed to go to the right situation. Mm -hmm. And I don't think going to Chicago would have been the best thing for him to, to, you know, help reach a, like a better evolution to, to get his head right, to get his, you know, to get his mind right and to get things going properly for him. But that's why I'm glad the Bears didn't draft him. The talent, you can't deny it. Like, I mean, if that guy, that guy's on the Bears, I'm not, I'm not upset. I mean, the guy was like overall, like the best overall talented player in the draft. But was he going to be what he could be with Philly with the Bears? I don't think so. Because you go to Philly, you go to a team that's crafted a winning culture. You have a room filled with veterans that could help get him right. Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox comes back on another dude, plays the same position as him. It can be on him every day to make sure he's doing his stuff right. And there's veterans everywhere. That 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 environment would probably help him get get to where he needs to be. I I disagree with that nope. because the Philly fans are ten billion times worse than the Chicago fans could ever be to a player, no matter what sport it is. So when you have a, a kid that needs to work his way into understanding professionalism. Mm-hmm. The best way to do that is to make him play. True. He's mm-hmm. not going to play there. No, he's gonna, he, he'll he's be ro- he'll be rotational. He's de- he's definitely going to play there, but rotation is not playing, in my opinion. When you're an NFL player, the so, players are the ones who everybody comes to see. Mm-hmm. These are the starters. This dude plays seventy percent of the snaps, sixty percent of the snaps, mm-hmm. not the third down package when it's third and long. That's not playing. Well, he's being groomed, if you think about it, though, right. because he's sitting behind Fletcher because they brought him back on a one-year deal. Yep, behind Fletcher Cox. And then, and then you might as well call the Eagles the Philadelphia Bulldogs because they got like nine Georgia players on their team, specifically, 
specifically to keep him in check. So he they they did everything they could. They got the right veteran leadership there. Mm-hmm. They got Super Bowl pedigree there. Mm-hmm. And then they brought a lot of familiar faces to him to try to make him as comfortable because he is a generational talent. So he he could be that that centerpiece for a defense to make it a Super Bowl contender defense. He just got to make sure that he come ready to work. If the Bears could not handle that situation with him, what are they doing with Justin Fields? Because if you can't take that type of talent, groom that talent, teach that talent, then what are they doing with Justin Fields? You, that's apples to oranges, I think. Because uh, Jalen has questions about whether or not he just – if he even likes playing football if he likes doing the things necessary to even be a remotely good football player. Because it came out, like, even his, even the Georgia coaches, they recognize his talent when interviewed, but they even said, it's like, uh, we don't even know if he likes to play. Like, really, he's just so much better than everybody else that he hasn't, like, you yeah, just... I saw him. Yeah. So... That's like questioning LeBron James when he was in high school if he liked playing basketball because he was better than everybody. Like, this when you have a skill set that's that much better than your peers, mm-hmm. you can come across as not being interested, as being lazy because it's easy to you. you yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. So when you have like character questions, uh, talent questions, mm-hmm. desire questions, I had those same questions about Justin Fields. I had those same exact questions. Does this dude want to be a quarterback? Not a football player. Does he want to be a quarterback? Oh, one time. Or does he want to be a football player that can throw the ball at times? And both of those are not the same. I think he wants to be that. You think he wants to be a quarterback? Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think that the Bears have helped him mature to it that at all. Well, it's only what are you doing? Season. Equinemius St. Brown. <laughs> right. and, and, okay, so if you can tell me this, if you can say that about Justin Fields, can you name. His two starting receivers. It don't matter. Who Thank you. Yes, it do. Yes, it does. <laughs> I said. I said this. That didn't mean that it was good though. But that was the point. The did he catch the ball? Muhammad. They, Muhammad. The ball we can go get Musim Muhammad right now. Roll him up in his wheelchair. He can get better separation than every receiver the Bears had. So why the Bears didn't do that? Because he's sixty. Because they committed to the tank. And exactly. They, <laughs> they committed to the rebuild. But he's sixty. I just, I'm the type of person, I don't believe that you should waste a player's career years on tanking. And if you're not going to do what is necessary to put this player who's supposed to be the face of your franchise in the most optimal situation, then you're wasting that player's years. But they did do that, though, with the trade to acquire DJ Moore, with the trade to acquire Chase Claypool, with drafting an offensive tackle in the first round. With, they run the ball more than they throw the ball this year. The Bears are trash. I don't fast. think that, I don't think, I don't think they will, though. Because I it takes more pressure off of them. Right. And then you can work them in the play-action play game. Play-action. The, the RPO with Justin Fields is going to be nasty. Gross. It's going to be nasty, especially if... You're just I, not a Bears fan. This no, is what it boils down to. It's not that I'm not a Bears fan. I'm not a fan of relegating quarterbacks to what you feel their skill set is. If he's a quarterback, then coach him to be a quarterback. Because this run-first offense that heavily relies on his ability to run, mm-hmm. at some point means that he will not be the same player. I, pr- I, I propose this one question, though. How does it differ from what San Francisco does, does right? 
where they're with <laughs> 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 you want the quarterback to throw like 60 yeah, times a game <laughs> i'm not saying you got to throw 60 times a game what i'm saying is that your quarterback is your franchise player yeah you're supposed to protect your franchise player so he plays 15 years not seven because this dude got like a running back's career so far but see this, this the, rushing attempts. but this is the thing this is the thing you got to look at how he was drafted by one regime Mm-hmm. And then they made a complete turnaround and fired everybody. Everybody's gone. So when he was drafted, the thought process that the regime that drafted him had was, you're going to sit and learn. Mm-hmm. And then he got thrown into the fight. And I don't know if you remember his first game, but I remember his first game against Cleveland starting. And got they murdered. Yes, they had absolutely no reason for him to be on the field so because – because Andy Dalton got hurt. They didn't have a third string? Yeah, they he, they didn't have a fourth string. They had a third string, but Justin Fields was next in line. And this is where Matt Nagy did not have any type of plan, any type of scheme, game plan, anything revolving around his Justin Fields' skills. I don't even think he wanted him to play. And he didn't. I don't think so either. Yeah. I don't think he did I don't either. I understand but, why they even drafted him. But this, because they need a quarterback. It was again old was a, old regime. Yeah, that's the, that's the that's the old regime. So this this is the the way you got to look at it. Last year, a whole new regime comes in, and this is this is now technically Justin <laughs> Fields Justin Fields' rookie season now, because now he's the full time starter. This is rookie season with five hundred hits already. No, exactly. This is what I'm saying. He's first his first year. Hold on, hold on. Quarterbacks. Hold up, hold up. His his first his first season as being a full time starter, right? And they say, "Hey kid, we about to get rid of every ounce of talent around you, and we about to restructure this thing. Trust the process. Believe in the process. Don't get hurt, but we gonna run the ball." And that's and that was it. They the whole he tucked and run too. Let's not let's not let's not absolve him. So All responsibility. The, the, game, the house is on fire. You jumped out the window. <laughs> so the, the, right. bear, the well, Bears had, well said. They had two plans. They had two plans this past season. Was to make sure Justin Fields did not suffer a career-altering injury, which they did, and to have a high draft pick. And thanks to Lovey Smith. Greatest Bears one. coach of all time. Greatest Bears coach of all time. <laughs> he, handed, he handed Houston the biggest F.U. possible. Good on him, too. And yeah. Yeah, and we appreciate you. Love you. We're going to build a statue outside the new Soldier Field fight. I think I think statues are very – I think they shouldn't be handed out all the time, but, but in this case, yeah, Lovey, Lovey, Lovey need a statue. I want him in bronze outside of Arlington Heights. Yeah. I want it now. <laughs> like, bring, put it in there. Because when, when the stadium opens, <laughs> they need to have a, a statue of Lovey Smith holding mm-hmm. a Houston Texans hat with his middle finger up to it. Mm-hmm. It has to have a voice box on it too. It's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I just wanted to take care of him. You know, I wanted to take him down. No big deal. I'm a bear through and through. <laughs> <laughs> Go bear down. <laughs> so, but, but ultimately, the the Bears they they made some some solid draft picks. They yep. picked the lane, and we can see the direction that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus is trying to take the mm-hmm. franchise and. For those who are concerned about Justin Fields' quality as a quarterback, 
they got two number one draft picks next year. That both of them probably going to be in the top ten. Mm-hmm. And it's next a quarterback year. by the name of Caleb Williams mm-hmm. that's in the shoot. Yeah, you have to give up a haul for to, to get him. <laughs> but if, if if they don't get the first pick, the number one overall pick, and they sold on getting the quarterback, we got two picks we can trade to move up to number one. Mm-hmm. There's two quarterbacks, two consensus quarterbacks. Number one, definitely Caleb Williams. By far and away, it's not close. But and usually what I hate when people say it's not close because that is like a clear indicator that yes, it's actually close. <laughs> like, <laughs> but uh But this one is not close. No. no. But the next kid, the other kid is Drake May, the kid right. from North Carolina. North Carolina right. Yep. Yep. Those those are the two. And even then I'm not like entirely sold you on know Drake. What happened the last time Chicago took a Carolina quarterback? Uh PTSD. Twitches from Mitch. <laughs> Poor Mitch. I thought I thought also thought guy, I also kind of thought Mitch was dealt a, a bad hand, but I knew he wasn't that good. He couldn't beat Marquise Williams at North Carolina. That should tell you all you need to know. And he wasn't good. When was the last time the Bears had a good quarterback? <sighs> Trick question. They haven't. They have <laughs> Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler was the best one in franchise right? history. And he didn't even care. And he didn't care about whatever. But the crazy thing is, is that Jay Cutler is actually statistically the best quarterback in Bears history. He is. He just, had like 12, 6, 7 receivers. It wasn't because he was accurate. No. I mean, I mean no. when you throw to Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey, you have a catch it's radius right. of like a, a parachute. It's like, <laughs> right. It's like throwing a potato chip inside of a laptop. Because I was going to make it. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. Unless you're really bad. A really bad. Like, uh, Jay like, Cutler was Rex Grossman again. Just with, no. just with better hands to reach no. out for that Rex, Rex. Smoked copious took, amounts of cigarettes. They, they both took bad <laughs> Chances on throws a lot. Rex wouldn't. They both threw no. extremely hard. Rex had baby and they hands. Both were extremely inaccurate. Rex Rex had whopper hands. Remember that commercial? Yeah. He's like, hey, let's get some whoppers. Well, I can't because these tiny hands. Like, uh, <laughs> that was him. He, Rex was just like, hey, Bernard's down there, right? All right, let's just yeah, throw it and see if you get it. <laughs> so we we gonna we gonna switch gears. Yeah. Go Bears. Take time. But the NFL. Real quick, all in all, though, I think we're at least you and me, Deontay, we're like we're 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 positive about the Bears' direction. We ain't think about this guy. No, absolutely. He's a, not. He's a Green Bay Packers. We we don't know how you're he a Packer feel. fan. Uh, yeah. We don't know how he's gonna feel about the Packers now that now that Aaron Rodgers is gone. I can explain why. I don't want. I don't want to hear it. I'm gonna say it anyway. So I was a huge Bears fan until they went to the Super Bowl. Forced a terrible quarterback to start over a quarterback that didn't lose, and then traded away the best Russian duo that they probably ever had. Mm. I guess I mean not nah, not fair. I don't care. I don't want to hear it. We're gonna move on. We're gonna move on. To me, that said that the Bears as a friend. You said your name was Benedict Arnold, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That's a good one. So, in, in the interest of time, we got we got to move on. Yeah, we yeah. Move yep. on. We're gonna move on to basketball. We'll continue this later. <laughs> uh, tuned in to better than leftovers with Uncle Day. They get that plate and let's get settled. The NBA playoffs have started, and mm-hmm. I would be remiss if I did not give my my two cents about the NBA playoffs. Uh, first of all, I'm, I'm gonna kick it off with saying. No, the Bulls are not in the playoffs. Thank God. The Bulls did make the play-in tournament, and they were two and a half minutes away from making the playoffs, and this is where my issue with Zach Levine comes into play. 200, 
215 like million, and you got a seven-point lead with two and a half minutes left, and you turn the ball over two times and then take a bad shot, which is three turnovers consecutively. Thank you, Zach. In the offseason, get your ish together, bro. So that's enough about the teams that didn't make it. We're going to talk about the teams that are, that did make the playoffs. Yes. And my dark horse every year, I say this, and I get looks. I get called a fan. I don't care. I don't care. The Golden State Warriors, as long as they got those two light-skinned fellas that shoot shoot the leather off the ball, they will always be in consideration for a championship. Way to go out on a limb. I, I'm, I'm just saying. I told you this last season, yeah, right? And you were right. <laughs> the exact number of games they was going to win in there, too, last season. So, and I Dis- told, disavow. <laughs> I, told, I told my brother, too, and he was like, they not winning. Boston going to win. Boston don't have a shot. At beating Golden State in Boston the seven game gave series, that series away because they were not ready. They were also hurt. Robert Williams was hurt, but he mm-hmm. wouldn't have made. Or not, he wouldn't have made a difference. So, yeah, because they weren't ready. They didn't have the poise that they needed to so, finish them games when they had Golden State on the ropes. So last season in the finals, the games that the Celtics won, Al Horford was shooting like a thousand percent from three. Mm-hmm. Like, dude was closing his eyes and shooting it, and he was making it. I said, Al Horford is going to have to do this every single game in order for the Boston Celtics to have a shot. If he ain't making that shot, they are going to get beat. And that's exactly what happened. Yep. Jason Tatum was not ready last year for that moment. I don't even know if he's not. He turned the ball over uncharacteristically. He passed up on shots uncharacteristically. He was not ready for that moment. I still don't, I he, still have he, questions. When he swallowed, his spit went down the wrong side. So he didn't all the way <laughs> There's gaps in the air. He's like, uh, uh, uh. I, I still, I, you know what? I, I do like the Boston Celtics makeup, but I still have my doubts about Jason Tatum. I like Jalen Brown. More than I like Jason Tatum right now. Tatum has more talent. He is the better player in in, in in theory, but Jalen Jalen's the guy who has the dog in him that's going to close out a game for you. That last game was evidence of it because when he tried to go ahead and bead, when he tried to finish at the rim, he didn't make it. But still, like to have that to have to have your head wired that way to be like I don't give a I don't, I don't care who you are. Do it again. Yeah, exactly. Jalen's. Jalen's the guy that you're going to need in the gritty moments and in the, in, in the crunch time if you really want somebody to just, like, impose their will. I think that's more Jalen than it is Jason. Jason needs that. Jason needs to pick that up from Jalen, in my, in my humble opinion. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm not the most versed in basketball, but I do know it when I see it. Right. And I do think Jalen's more the guy that's just like, get out of my way. Let me just do something. Who was their coach last year when they went to the – Ime Udoko. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to throw that out there. He, 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 he might have been distracted. He had some off the court issues. <laughs> that's why he couldn't recognize that Jalen Brown is the dude you need closing these games. Mm-hmm. Jason Tatum can get you there, but the last five minutes, put the ball in, in JB hands. As, as I say that. And they would have a ring if they had done it. As I say that, Jason Tatum on two separate possessions now, probably in the last three possessions. Has taken him beat to the rack and finished both times. <laughs> <laughs> that's the five minutes left in the game. 
Uh, 8.55, and Boston's up by 11. Yeah, see, that's normal. But... <laughs> <laughs> that's no pressure. When it, when it gets on to five minutes, and there's a two-point game, he won't be done. Turns into a ghost. Yeah, he's going to start <laughs> shooting mid-range fadeaways. Mm. Yeah. But back onto the Golden State train. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, carry on, sorry. Yeah, so... My my dark horse is the Golden State Warriors because they are year in and year out. As long as LeBron stays in LA, year in and year out, Golden State is the most seasoned team for the long haul mm-hmm. in the playoffs. They got Draymond when his when he is on and he is playing his game and he's not arguing with the refs. Draymond is probably the smartest basketball player in the league. Arguably. Yeah. Steph is he he just he goes on a, on another level. Steph is like Steph's nothing we ever we've ever seen before. And, in and the NBA. Draymond is the uh, more basketball IQ than Steph. Yeah, yeah. Because he because, yeah because, outside of scoring, I mean, yeah, I everything mean, else. The intangibles. It's, it's the it's the I, stuff that Draymond do that you don't see on the on the box score. So in watching this series against Sacramento, I recognize that Steph plays the game like three possessions ahead of everybody, including Draymond Green. And that blew my mind. To, like from a coaching standpoint, mm-hmm. this dude see this game before it happens. But see, this, this so much thing. so that that he was even able to start playing defense in game six and game seven down the stretch effectively man-to-man with no help. This dude, his, his IQ is so overlooked. Because he has made bad shots look easy, so everybody just think of him as a shooter. So the dude has a outstanding basketball IQ. You have to to be yeah, right, but but see, this is the thing with with the difference, right? Steph has a superior amount of talent that Draymond does not have. So Draymond has to figure out different ways to be effective, and this is something I was saying about about Zach Levine. Right, the Bulls had a game and Zach was shooting like one for nine, one for ten, and it was like you might as well take him out the game because he he not giving you anything else. And I went and found a Kobe tape, and I, I tweet, I, yeah, I'm that guy. I tweeted Zach Levine the link to this Kobe video <laughs> on YouTube where the Lakers was in the playoffs and Kobe was three for twelve, but he had twelve rebounds. Eight assists, five steals. And when it came down to making the clutch shots, that those was the ones that Kobe made. But the the overall of it is the great players find out a way to be effective even when what they are really touted to do is not working. Because mm-hmm. as a scorer, you not you're gonna have off days as a scorer. Mm-hmm. As a shooter, you're gonna have off days. So now at this point. When you're not scoring a basketball, you have to find something else to do. And this is where you look at Draymond. Like You might call him the single quadruple, but Draymond Green has every box on the every stat on the box score checked in some way. Let's look at this. Let's look at his last game real quick. I mean, first off, Draymond found a scoring stroke last game. Scored 11 points. So that that alone is like when you get when you get anything any double digit points out of Draymond you're already like all right we're gonna win, but he shot fifty percent of the field, he had eleven total rebounds he also had nine assists and a steal, and he had a plus fifteen, so 
he knew it. He's like, he, he, Draymond knows exactly what his role is. Right. I mean, he he's an extension of Steve Kerr in a way without the shooting ability because he's funneling all the coaches. Like, you know, coaches, coaches, some of the most least talented players or maybe like role players make the best coaches because they know how to teach the game and everything like that. Right. And Kerr ends up kind of like how the offense wants to go or even how the defense wants to go, whoever's coaching the defense, because I know that Mike Brown's not the defensive coordinator anymore. He's the head coach in Sacramento. It still seems like that Draymond is an antenna. He's an extension for what the game plan is. You know why? Because he's normally sticking somebody that's at the rim, so he sees everything from the back. It's easy to quarterback that when you see everything. But but Draymond is... So when Draymond has a bad game, what do you all consider a bad game? For me, when Draymond has a bad game... It's because he gave up a lot of points. Right, that's what Draymond right? uh, turn the ball so, over a lot. Yep. So in those and get dumb moments, fouls. Right. In those moments, his lack of basketball IQ shows because it's not about his talent. Everybody knows he's gonna play defense, he's gonna rebound, he's gonna pass. He can score if he wants to. He just chooses not to, right? When he has a bad game, it is horrible. It's not just bad, it's Horrible. But he also probably coordinates the defense. He coordinate. He helps communicate on switches, mm-hmm. the way the defense is rotating, the way everything is going. Yeah, without he's standing him, standing under the basket watching. That's fine. But he, he without guard, him, he even guard on the ball a lot. Like you would see Draymond guarding LeBron, guarding Anthony Davis. Mm-hmm. He guarded Sabonis. They even put him on De'Aaron Fox at times. And then when that's the case, who's the one calling everything? And this is again, I you you know, I was not a Steph fan on anything other than shooting. Right. It wasn't until those last two games of the Sacramento series when I actually just watched him. Mm-hmm. That dude does a lot. He can mm-hmm. talk on defense. He jumps screens. He call out switches. Mm-hmm. I'm not so sold that Draymond is the engine to that. Draymond is the engine to the physicality of that. But from watching that, mm-hmm. Steph is the one that controls the floor of all of that. On both ends of the floor. He controls the flow of all of that. Draymond is just a beneficiary because he's a physical dude that don't mind getting down there and being rough. So he don't have to do none of those. I think you're shortchanging Draymond. I think so, too, a a little bit. I think so, too, a whole whole lot. Because And and the reason I say that is because what Draymond does can really translate to any other team. And what Steph do, of course it can translate because Steph can score the ball at a rate and a pace that change the landscape of the game. Because now you you have a handful of players that you really got to guard at 40 feet. And Steph is one of them. So the way the, the Warriors just get handed the Lakers that beat down was they put Steph on the ball. Instead of having him off the ball, he's on the ball now. So in order for the, the Lakers to actually double-team him, they have to double-team him at half court. And you know who his first pass goes to from the double? Draymond. Why is, why is his first pass to Draymond? Because Draymond can pass. Dray, because Draymond, He's smart. Draymond because is a floor the, general. That's the one everybody's going to leave wide open. It, and he had layup after layup after layup. And but Draymond, with that. But Draymond still was finding the open man. If, time but, after time. Dray, it, Draymond is a great playmaker. When Draymond wasn't on the court, Kimon Mooney was doing the same thing in that same spot. Yeah. Last so that's the offense. That's la- not Draymond. Last game though, Kevon Looney, his time was cut very short. Even though he had a, like was like a twenty rebound game in that loss. What? Who did? Uh, I got to go back to it. But who did they? Who did they? 
Yeah, and and he was far more effective. As he should be. Yeah. So in my opinion, I don't know why Looney played so much the first game. Because he's not fast enough to keep up with So I'm going to tell you why he played the first game. I'm going to tell you why he played the first game. 11 points and 23 rebounds. That's why he played the first game. I'm just saying. But he's too slow-footed. He can't keep up with AD. But as long as he can stay in front of him and make it tough. He got to get up the court and get in front of him. Yeah, that's true. It's about matchups. I mean, even like you look at you look at Jermichael Green's stats from the last game, it's nothing special. Nope. But what he was doing was clearly effective on AD. I mean, AD only scored like what? Like 11, like, like 11 points? He can't stand under the basket. When Looney not on the floor, right? Because you got to come out of guards and Michael. That other person's gonna actually shoot the ball. Yeah, correct. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Steph had because yeah, how many blocks did he have that last game? Like I mean, especially five, at the end of the four, game, remember when Curry yeah. came up with that floater and just got it out of there. Easy. Sorry. Go ahead. Steph has shown me one of his biggest doubters. He can go to the basket. He can finish with both hands. He can shoot near. Right? He's not just a three-point shooter. I've been telling right? you that for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, yo, the dude shoot. And even I, I was telling yeah. you he was solid on defense also for years. Yeah, he's bumped up. He's gotten better on defense. Don't play that game like he no, but I'm not going to say he was a, a defensive stalwart, but he still yeah. wasn't he's a no, pushover. He's no longer a liability because he played better defense. I don't even back. think he was ever really a liability. I think, oh. Steph was, I think Steph has been overlooked as a defender for a long a time. Long time. Yeah, man to man. Yes. A liability. I mean, he's not Rondo by any stretch, <laughs> exactly. but like. <laughs> I, I look at it like this. Anytime two people the same height and they put you on a taller player that's not going to do anything so you don't have to play defense on this dude. Yeah, they're height. Okay, they're height, okay so so check this out. So check this out. When when the Bulls was winning their championships, right? Yeah. Michael Jordan never guarded the best offensive player on the team. For what? Because if they're the same height. If you take the point guard and put the point guard on a power forward, because the power forward is not going to shoot, you take you take the point that's guard. That's you hiding that point. You guard take the point guard. A defense. You take. I'm not going to say the point guard. You take your best offensive weapon and hide him on defense to keep him out of foul trouble and to keep his energy so he can use it for what he's good at. Have you seen? And I know you said you watched it. Did Kyrie, you see how Steph did not stop on the offensive end? Kyrie, Kyrie Irving got him. Because Steph couldn't play with me. Uh, Kyrie Irving made big shots. Kyrie Irving made them shots over a lot of people. He was killing He made like a 32-foot shot to win the game. Yeah. Like, come on. And it was a turnaround too, right? With, was, with a hand up. Was, it was just a good shot. He was, he was looking for Steph every trip up the court. Like, hey, what's Steph? Hey, come set that screen so he can come stick me because I'm going to kill him. It was, it was – and that's what you're supposed to do. Sacramento tried that very thing in game six and game seven. And Steph rose to the challenge because he – I think you're on to something there, but I think it's like a greater thing of Steph's overall improvement too. Like even, what is he now? Like 33 years old yeah. and his game is getting better and better. This might be his best season ever. Man, True. Might, or maybe last year. Last year. I think last year was. If they win another championship, then this year might be. You might you might can make the, make the case for it. Yeah. And Clay's coming back. Clay looks like he's found... Yeah. Old Clay again. And they usually take, because I, I, I blew an ACL. I ain't never had the killers. But I blew both my ACLs, and they usually take two like years to really get back. To yeah, get to back really right. get back to how, to feeling normal and feeling comfortable. You usually take about two years. So. Yeah. I think oh, it, I think Steph has been often overlooked as a defender for a, a lot of years of his career because he's not a great 
sure, he's not a great one-on-one on-ball defender. He does switch well within the defense. He gets his hand in passing lanes. He gets a lot of steals. I think people forget about that. They conveniently look over that, that he causes a lot of turnovers. A lot of turnovers. Sometimes you got to be Wally Zerbiak was too at one point. You know, like, you know, like, Only on better than leftovers will you get a Wally Zerbiak reference. Only here. Yeah, a great team defender. You know, shout out to Bruce Bowen for the drop kick too, battle. <laughs> Dirtiest player ever. Yes. Like, oh my no. God. Somebody just took the cake on that. Who? Dylan Brooks. Yes. Oh, you mean dirt like dumb or dirty? Like which one? Both. Both. <laughs> Both. I, I, I said I wasn't going to bring up Dylan Brooks, but since we went. We have to. Since we went to, hey, I am glad for the LeBron hive, the Bron sexuals, or whatever you want to call LeBron's <laughs> clan, his fans, that the Lakers was able to Anthony Davis stay away from that, that series. Because LeBron did not have to face the conversation of. Bro, you cannot be talked about with Jordan or Kobe anymore. And I don't care what nobody say about a new generation of basketball players, a new era of basketball players. I don't give a damn. Dylan Brooks would not have said any of that about Michael Jeffrey Jordan or Kobe Bean Bryant because they would have gave him the who? (laughs) You said 40? All right, 48. 46, 44, and we count down to 50. (laughs) And I'm about to give you 50 for the rest of your career. As long as we on a basketball court, it ain't got to be the playoffs. When I see Memphis, I'm circling on my schedule. And you better not have a one-game flu either. You better not. Mm Because I'm giving you 50 every time I play against you. Until I stop. You're going to atone for your sins. Yes, you're going to pay. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to have to pay. And, and LeBron, we know LeBron don't have a dog in him like that. That's not his game. No, he's never been there. But you still have Well, to. sometimes. Well, was his pride. That's the same dude that scored 20-some straight points. So, I don't understand what his pride is when some random nobody dude calls you out. Yeah. Say you too old. What? I poke bears. He should have posted him up every play for the rest of the game. Oh, just make it make like make yeah. it a lesson. Yeah, make an example out of it. All he had to do was go to the elbow, stick his hand out, catch the ball, and then turn and face and do whatever. And do whatever he wanted to do, and then and then told him like, "You asked for this. I'm mm-hmm. gonna beat your ass handily because you asked for this." Yeah, and I, I'm I'm a competitor, and my my brother will tell you, it's been times when we was hooping that somebody would say something, it'd be like. What? After the game over with, dang, they they had had how many points? He just scored how many points straight? You did what? Why well, didn't I had referees like, man, I just want to shake your hand. What got you started? Somebody started talking. And as a competitor, I'm not, I'm not even on the elite level of LeBron James. Couldn't imagine being on, on that level. But there's no way I'm going to say I'm the best player to ever live and I let one of these peons talk to me like that. Right. No, it's not happening. It's not happening. Yeah, he shouldn't have even thought that was cool. It shouldn't have been at all. And like I said, he wouldn't have said it about Michael Jordan. He wouldn't have said it about Kobe Bryant. He he wouldn't even say it about Kevin Durant. No. He wouldn't have said it about Kevin Garnett. (laughs) Oh, because Garnett Garnett would have beat his ass. What are you talking about? (laughs) Came out of retirement. Yeah, it's like 
Tracy McGrady would have scored eight points in 17 seconds. Like that, like uh, uh, a player of Dylan Brooks's caliber. Like, yeah, like, you, bro, like, you, you don't get to this. talk about that. You haven't earned this yet. Nothing. You were, right. you were playing horrible in the playoffs, too, at that, like, you're not good. 20% from three-point land, 70% from the free throw line. Yeah, I looked it up. Trash. I looked it up because if you're going to talk, and I'm not a big LeBron fan, but I respect the man and I respect his game. I respect what he do on and off the court. Mm-hmm. But you cannot talk to one of the elites like that. Mm-hmm. You ain't done nothing. Like Draymond Green said, the dude is an idiot. He's an idiot. How you gonna say the Grizzlies is a dynasty and y'all ain't won nothing? I think that's the thing that turned everybody off. Where did this hubris come from? Yeah. Like, yeah, you're young and fun and all that shit, but <laughs> sorry, pardon the language, but like this gets me hot. No, there's there's tears to this stuff. There's levels to this stuff. There's rank and file to this stuff. You haven't won anything. Anything. Right. You became one of the most fun, watchable teams that had an exciting young energy to them. That you knew they were cultivating something behind Ja, behind Jaron Jackson, behind all these nice young pieces you got. But now you're walking around like you've won three in a row. You haven't done anything. You became easily one of the most likable to the most detestable teams in the snap of a finger. Yeah. And in their defense, Steven Adams is hurt. And that made him gigantic. Yeah, what's what, no, it's just slow footed. <laughs> what are you gonna do? So like, that dude is like a seven foot tall Draymond Green. Well, I mean, Steve, Steven Adams can't – he can't c- try and control no. the paint. I disagree. He's not going <laughs> to dribble the ball up. He, he can try and control he the paint. He doesn't turn the ball over on offense. He says – he does all the dirty work. Right. He's the one that, that does all the communicating on both ends of the floor. Yeah. But I don't so think – you were missing that. But he doesn't contribute like Draymond does right. and on think, all phases of it. he would have turned the series around either. Yeah, he would. I don't think so. The, the Lakers ate – they turned them into baby food. In the paint. That does not so. happen. Didn't Jaron Jackson win defensive player of year? That was a, he had a rough series, though. Exactly. Because he, <laughs> he wasn't a defensive player. Because because one of the, the Lakers. was the defensive player of that team. Forget We're, that. We've gone off the rails. <laughs> but I said of that team, not of the year. Forget that. When he when Steven Adams went out, that's when everything fell apart for them. No. the What, what happened in Memphis was the Lakers got one of the top five big men in the league when healthy. Yeah, he's man. healthy. He rested throughout the season. Say what? He's healthy. He was hurt uh, <laughs> in that last game he played. I, he wasn't hurt. His feelings was hurt. That's <laughs> all. His, his, his feelings got hurt a little bit. But he had a top five big man in the game. He when when healthy. Points. When healthy. Soft, was he healthy the last Soft game? Los Angeles sensibilities. <laughs> was he healthy the last The, the sun shines on the dog but once, once or twice. So. I'm saying he, what they say, even a broke bro clock is right twice. Mm-hmm. So can we talk about the real story of the NBA, which is the Kings? Uh, we got it. We can get the Kings a shout out. They, they shout out. Light the beam, but yeah. the beam got shut off for the rest of the season. They're right. saving yeah, power. They didn't win. <laughs> they they, they made strides. Under, underachieved. No, they did not overachieve. That team what? is good. They got some solid the players. Team is good. They got solid players. But who really thought that they would make it? Anybody bonus as they started. Saying, anybody bro. who watched the I, Kings in the two or three national televised games? That's, that's Mike Brown. Man. Sabonis disrespect. I won't stand for that. Sabonis is so. So first of all, I got beef. Did you, did you I see got his wide open drop shots? <laughs> I got I got beef with Sabonis because like, he didn't, he didn't want to shake hands. He didn't want to shake hands after the series was over. For what? Because it's sportsmanship. You lost. 
he held he held on to somebody's foot and ended up with a black eye. <laughs> I wouldn't want to shake hands with the guy did either. <laughs> but it's, it's sportsmanship. He shouldn't have held on to his leg. Yeah, no, he shouldn't. <laughs> so hey, he, him, got, he got what he was asking for. That listen, I, I am I am not disavowing what he did because he that, that was a dirty little trick. Like yeah, what, that was like what? an old like veteran move. Like it's like oh you want to move? Ah, he thought like that was it, but he earned it. Uh, Simonis, I didn't know that about him not shaking. Like you know, dapping yeah. players every he day. Sh- he didn't shake hands. I'm not mad at that though. He didn't shake hands. I personally feel if there's a rivalry, why do I need to shake your hand after you just beat? Because it's sportsmanship. I don't care about sportsmanship. You you I got, see y'all next year. And that's what you say why you shaking hands. I'll, I'll see you y'all. next year. You're going to get a little thing away from the other end of the court, and then I'll see y'all next year. <laughs> Terrible. We're not friends. This Terrible. is a rival. We know who sounds like a sore loser around here. That's not sore loser. So, I'm, getting, I'm, getting, like I'm, getting, I'm getting a window into the y'all childhood like right me. now. <laughs> if I don't like y'all and y'all don't like me, why I need to shake y'all head? We're not friends. We don't wear the same coat. I'm trying to beat y'all, as, as you should. But, but what if you get on this team next year? I'm not going to play with y'all next year. Mm. Uh, yeah, money talks. You want to be talking? My name is not LeBron Durant. I'm not going to. <laughs> <laughs> Shots fired. <laughs> so uh, we we gonna we gonna move on yes. from basketball. We we gotta pick who before we do though. Yeah. Who you got winning it? Winning it all? Winning it all? Yeah. Who you got winning it all? Oh. <sighs> You know, if I if I if I'm a victim of recency bias, I'm kind of watching how Boston's taking care of Philly right now. It, yeah, until someone beats Golden State, I guess I got to put my eggs into Golden State. I went against them last year. I was proven wrong, very definitively. <laughs> so, as as a man who who has integrity, I'm going to stick with Golden State. I'm, I'm going to ride with Golden State. It's hard to beat that experience, and they're all playing well at the perfect time. I think it might be a rematch. I think it might be a rematch. And I still don't think Boston has the, the ammunition for it quite yet. Don't know. Like, even if they do make it and it's like game one, you can't really, you can't really take anything from game one. A lot of emotions, a lot of variables, a lot of different stuff going on. It's like that game two, like the adjustments that are made. That's when it really matters. I mean, a perfect example, LA Golden State. Golden State, in all reality, shouldn't have lost that game. Jordan Poole, with the biggest gaffe of the century, Ooh. he take one step in, that ball is nothing but bottoms. Yeah. I don't know. He he was at the wrong pool party. He saw Jessica yeah. Alba at the game. He's like, yo, check this out. <laughs> <laughs> so, so who you got, bro? Um, I got the, the same thing, rematch, and the Warriors in the six. The Warriors again in six. Yeah. Okay, so. But I do want to preface it with this. Yeah. The Celtics get back and they do not look better than what they did last year. Blow that team up. Yeah. You gotta do something. You got to. And and I, I think we we all in in unison here because I, I don't see a team left in the East that's gonna compete with the Celtics over seven games and I got Golden State in six. Cause uh as much as much fun as Denver looks, uh once they play against a formidable team. Yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't see Jokic dominating in the next series. That's the one concern I have, though. Is like, what's the counter to Jokic with Golden State? Obviously, they can play. They can play defense. Pull right? them out of the paint. Yeah. Pull them out of the paint. Yeah. Because they, you go the, the way you handle Jokic is you put him in a screen and roll. 
Yeah. And you make him play screen and roll defense. Get him in space. Are we gonna shoot threes or are you gonna step up? And once yeah, you, you step, step up, up once you get behind, yeah, we're gonna pass it to the corner. And yeah. We're gonna shoot three. another three. Let's so. just lure you out in space and then yeah. all right, that's dinner time. Yeah. And then uh, and then also on the other end, you got Draymond Green who actually defends Jokic well. Yeah. And you got Looney. And Looney. So you got play they got players that can slow him down. Like I've noticed that the players that defend him well are the players that move, move just, just as slow, slow as he. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. just as slow as he do. Yeah, yeah, because he can't lure them to sleep. No, nope. <laughs> he can't fake them out. Cause, no, because when you get those athletic guys like Aiden, mm-hmm. they feel like, oh man, I I'm, I can out jump him. Don't get me in there. But I'm I'm done as a box of bricks, so I'm going for every fake. Mm-hmm. Hence, you down two games yeah. and you just got blew out. Yeah, so that's why. I, Crop Anthony Towns is a thorn in my side because this dude refuses to play his sides. Yeah. I need to go there because Carl Anthony Towns defends Jokic very well and they have a very similar style of game. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the dude just don't want to defend him. I have a couple friends who live in Minnesota that are Timberwolves fans, and I've 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 been on live with them as they're watching games and watching Carl Anthony Towns games. Like, it's like, dude, get inside the three. Yep. Get in the paint. Get on the elbow. Stop playing so soft. You're seven feet tall. Yeah. What are you doing? And they just they lose it. That that's not, but I think here's the thing that here's a little bit of a difference maker though in Denver's case. So yes, you have counters to you know Jokic and his style of play, but now he's got a fully healthy team around him. Mike Malone's no slouch of a coach. Right. They may be better equipped to do that and maybe have contingencies against it. I don't know very so well, key, but if, it, if I was coaching against him, I would make him squad all the points. Yeah, I was going to say the key. The key is going to have to prove to me that he can do that for seven games. Yes, and yes, a man. very high clip. But yeah, that dude's going to be able to be in great shape in order to do that. Yeah, but that dude could also slow play you just a little bit, and he could pass it. He could like he's yeah, got, he's just got stay, counters. Just stay home. Helping on just stay home. The the key to a Golden State Denver Which series. Is also club, why I say he shouldn't have been an MVP. The the key to <laughs> Golden State Denver series. For Denver would be Aaron Gordon. He yeah. he'd have to come out and, and show that he can dominate and he can get at least sixteen or twenty points. A this game. is the year for him to do it because yeah. I mean people were saying that he should have been an All Star selection this uh, year. against whoever. That just puts Raymond against whoever. He still got to be ready to to go out there and show that I can do this because you know what you're gonna get from Jamal Murray. Yeah. You know what you're gonna get from Yo. Right. I would say oh, you don't even know really what you're gonna get with Jamal Murray because he has. He has up and down games. Yeah, but the Jamal last game wasn't very good. Against Golden State, they would not. But Jamal, Jamal, sure, he show up. No, I get him now. He show up and he don't shy away. So okay, but we're gonna we're gonna move past that. I do have one thing that I want to say about my my brother from another mother. We had a bet. <laughs> we had a bet. I, I'll wear it if here here here's the stipulation. If it's a if it's a finals rematch. I'll wear it the whole every game. Every game. Every game. So we, we made a bet, and the loser of the bet had to wear one of the old Barry Bonds hanging cross earrings. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I'll I, I, you know what? I, I'm a man of honor, and I did state earlier I'm a man of integrity. I'll do it anyway. I'll do it for the rest of the playoffs. I just gotta find where can I get one? Claire's? Claire's I don't know. I guess not. I don't know. I just need some some Fugazi earpiece. That's all I need. <laughs> Turn my ear green. I don't care. Like I need it. <laughs> Got your dish? Don't forget that glass. It's better than leftovers, baby. We back at you.
So we, we wind down to the tail end of the show. And all, as always, when we get to the tail end, I got this segment. It's called What's in Your Cup? Where usually I talk about what the, the drink of the night is. Mm-hmm. And tonight, we ain't got cups because we got bottles. Yes. A Corona. Mm-hmm. It's the Corona Extra. I was looking for a premier, but I don't know what's up with these north side stores and ain't nobody had no premieres. I need that. You need to talk to a lot of Rasha, dude. <laughs> hey, get you some, dude. Don't, don't talk. Hey, look, I'll get you what you need. Bro. I see that's what I'm talking about. And on Cinco like, de Mayo, we couldn't come up. They supposed to have Corona on deck. All forms of Corona on Cinco de Mayo. Mine only came in with Eric. I don't know. You don't know? That's okay. <laughs> it's all right. But yeah, we, we, got, we got Coronas going on today. Shout out to Corona. Shout out to Big Bro for, you know, him and putting his input in with what we was going to have to sip on today. We need you on more. We do. <laughs> so we got we got a, a, about five minutes left. We go. We go ahead. Go ahead. The White Sox suck, and my brother don't want to admit it. Oh, I can admit that the White Sox are terrible. That's all we're gonna say about the Sox because I don't. No, I don't no, 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 no. Let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's talk a little more. Yeah. We had a game the other day, and he trying to watch the game. He's like, "Yeah, there we go. Second and third. No outs." Say something. Three straight strikeouts. And that's exactly what <laughs> Three straight strikeouts in the bottom of the 10th inning. And you want to know what ended up happening? They lost in the 12th inning. Mm. Four to two. Tail of the year. I think my favorite White Sox game this year is when they played Tampa Bay for the first series down in Tampa and they had like a 10-2 lead on them and blew it. And, yeah. and they lost on a walk-off home yeah. run. <laughs> it was. It's just, it just solidified how the first month of the baseball season went for the White Sox. But... Like I said, I try to keep this show PG-13. And me talking about the White Sox, I'm going to have to get the bleep button ready. We have no dump button. We have, we don't have a dump button. <laughs> so, with that being said, my brother Jared had some, some UFC he wanted to talk real quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big fight weekend, obviously. It's Cinco de Mayo. And uh, not only do we have a UFC card tomorrow, uh, we also have Canelo Alvarez defending his belts yet again. He's, uh, uh, as is Mexican tradition, Canelo picks a fighter and decides to whoop his ass for uh, for 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 his people. Um, this unfortunate contestant happens to be a guy from U- from the UK named John Ryder, respectable fighter. He's in the top ten uh, according to uh, you know uh, uh, pound for pound rankings by Ring Magazine, uh, somewhat well respected uh, publication. You know people have their beef. It's boxing. Everyone has beef with everybody. Canelo should walk through this guy pretty easy, which is going to set up a fight either with. Maybe David Benavidez down the line. Or maybe fighting Demetri Bevel again, the guy who beat him most yeah. recently, with the stipulation that he comes down to 168, which Bevel has stated he can do it. He wants to do it. Right, because when they fought last time, Canelo went up. Yes, he went he up to could, 175. It was literally the perfect styles make fights fight because it, it, if you ever watch Canelo and you pay attention to him, he's very slow plotting power puncher, counter puncher. He has ter- like not going to say terrible because he's a professional athlete, professional boxer, and the top of his game and pound for pound number one in the world. He's got slow feet, and in boxing, if if you it. it if you go against a guy who's got good footwork and he's fast and he's busy and has a high work rate, and if you got slow feet, you're going to lose every single time. And Bevel gave him a boxing lesson in Soviet boxing. He has that old Soviet style, long, rangy, footwork, in and out. It's almost like fencing. And it's fast, high work rate. It doesn't matter if he goes down to 168. Canelo came out and said that he feels like fans would have a problem and criticize him if he 
brought Bevel down saying, oh, he's dehydrated, he's drained, so what? Even though, like, shut up. Like, Canelo, you're kind of crying about it. Dude, he said publicly he'll come down there and he wants to beat you and he wants to take your belts. Invite that challenge. Don't take another challenge. Try to get it back on the guy in on your terms because you will be the A-side. You have all the belts. Fight him. Um, but with that said, I do think he's going to whoop John Ryder's ass pretty bad. Um, and then uh, the UFC has got a nice card tomorrow. We see the return of Hen- uh, Henry Cejudo, Triple C, uh, the man who retired on top, two-division champ. He's fighting Aljo Sterling. Which was interesting that he went out. He, he won two belts. Mm-hmm. And then was like, I'm done. He, and just walked away. You did everything you needed to, you know? He's, like, he's defended his belt a couple times. And then he goes up a division, takes that guy's belt. And now he wants to come back and he wants to win another belt. And he's talking, like, if he beats Aljo, which is going to be a hard task. Because Aljamain Sterling, let me tell you, people had a lot of issues with the way that he acted to take the title from Pyotr Jan, who was uh, the Russian fighter from uh, his division. Uh, good fight. Fought him again. Beat him pretty handedly. It was a very, very good win. And it should have been a convincing win for people out there. Now he's fighting Henry. He's fighting the guy. You got to beat this guy. Aljo, if Aljamain beats him, he's going to get the, the the due respect he's earned. And I think he's earned already. But amongst people who are doubters, who are naysayers of his reign, if he beats him, it's a big one. Henry's got legacy on the line. He's like one of the most successful combat sports athletes all the time. There's a lot of, there's a lot of narratives, a lot of storylines here. It's just going to be really exciting. I got – man. <laughs> Vegas. <laughs> I'm not going to look at the lines. I'm just going to go with a instinctive pick. Henry's been out for three years. That matters. It does. Rain wrestles real. I'm going to say Aljo in four. By finish. I think he gets him because Henry's been finished. He's susceptible. I think he can get finished again. Aljo's big for the weight class. He fights at 135, but he's big as shit. Uh, he, he's going to win. I think he's going to win. Uh, as far as Canelo, that definitely probably doesn't get past seven. Yeah, yeah that's done. That's going to be like almost like the, the last uh, Javante Davis fight where he's just like, okay, yeah, it's just a matter of time before. That was easy money. Yeah, before he put it in. Ryan didn't fight nobody. No. Doesn't fought anybody. No. Tank is a beast. Yeah. Well, little guy. <laughs> oh, God, it's like that, dynamite. That, dude, that is like one of the best boxing IQs. Because he throws the first two rounds of every fight mm-hmm. just so he can figure out what the game plan is and then picks him apart for the rest of the fight. And it's crazy because a guy like Tank doesn't have like a super high work rate. He doesn't throw a ton of punches, but everything he throws hits with thunder and it matters. Every single punch he throws. Yep, you don't believe. That's Ryan. That's Ryan's about that liver shot. I heard people saying he might have pooped his pants, but you know we're not gonna say that. That's, that's a nurse, bro. When you get hit right there. That's not that's not an instant pain. Nope. But it's also up. not an instantly going away. No. It catch up with you when you try to take a deep breath. That's when no. you feel it. It's the moment you put your arm up because when you try to raise your arm, all of your rib muscles go up too, and that's when you feel it. I caught a kick there before, so I, I used to fight. And I caught a kick flush right there. And it's a late registering pain because you'll take like one step, you'll move back, and then you're just like, ah, and you just collapse to the ground and you can't move. It doesn't go away. No. 
hurts. I ain't picking back up. No. I can stand up, but I can't block the better arm. No, I'm done. Yep. Because I got quit. That's no it. No more. No more, senor. No more. So, I appreciate y'all, fellas, man. Oh, this is a blast. Enjoying me today. Big bro, appreciate you as always. Jared. Yes. We got to do this again. We're going to. It's not a matter of got to, it's when. We're doing it. What time? Stage name? Yeah, Jared. Oh, you did. You did. What is it? Yeah, we're going to wrap it up. Wrap it up. Wrap it up. We're done. I'm not available, but this is my boy Tenacious D right here. <laughs> capital D. Tenacious Capital D. Oh, that's not what's happening. Yeah, just follow me on Twitter at Jared underscore James, and you can find me on Instagram at Ye Old Chap. Stick with me. It's Y E underscore O L D E underscore C H A P. And as always, this your boy on the Chicago favorite home once again. You can follow me on Instagram, Uncle Day Day, Facebook is just regular Day Day because Mark don't want to let me be an uncle on that. He wants to let me be great. Got the Better Than Leftovers page on Facebook also. Make sure you follow them. Follow the show on Spotify, anchorfm.com. Hit the like, the subscribe. Because like I said, I got giveaways. It's almost that time. I'm going to have giveaways and promotions going on. And it's only going to be for the people that subscribe. So make sure you subscribe so that you can get Better Than Leftovers merchandise, baseball tickets to the White Sox, and it'll be like $10. Uh, <laughs> I got those also, and a lot of other things that, that we got going on. So, anything you want to say, Big Bro? I don't have social media. All right, he don't have social media. Uh, mail his P.O. box at. Right. <laughs> I, if you got any problems with anything he said, like I said, get in my inbox. I will shoot you his email address. <laughs> you can talk to the brother directly via email. It might take him two weeks to respond, but hey. He'll get to you eventually. <laughs> yeah, like so. Western Union. Right, exactly. <laughs> so thank you all for joining me. Thank you all for, for following me. I appreciate everything. Y'all already know what it is. Until next time, make sure you keep love overhead, everybody. Peace.